1: For more information, visit outdooredge.com.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Podcast. We are on episode 145, and on this week's episode, Dimitri and I, we were joined by PA native Ryan Glitzky. And Ryan is a true woodsman and a very successful whitetail hunter. And Ryan spends a crap ton of time in the timber and has had a ton of success hunting the rut over the years. And it's perfect timing for right now. And uh, we had to have Ryan on and talk about some of some of these rut topics. And these topics include Ryan, con- what really contributes to his success and how his hunting strategy from October with hunting over scrapes and security cover, how that switches over to terrain features and the importance of doe bedding. And, you know, Ryan mentions the importance of finding deer concentration and how postseason scouting sets you up for your success for during this time frame, and also adapting and not worrying about pressure and, and a heck of a lot more is jam-packed in this episode. And, you know, awesome time to have Ryan on because, again, I know... I've always enjoyed listening to him, and I know he's very successful during this time frame. So, give this one a listen. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in and all the support. I know, I uh, if anybody saw my my Saturday post uh, regarding uh, w- when I was hunting and kind of everything the ordeal of, of what was going on. So, leading up to that, the previous Saturday I was out hunting and I uh, spent a day or two scouting. And I, man, I had a bonehead you know moment, and I left my saddle in my truck, and unfortunately, the next time I had a chance to go hunt was uh, Wednesday after uh, after work, and when I did, I got to the tree, and I was like, man, I don't have my saddle on. I must have left it at home because I hurried up and got out in the woods, and when I got home that evening, the uh, saddle was not there, so unfortunate situations. Uh, people suck anymore, I guess it seems like. It just you know, it's unfortunate. I don't understand that type of stuff. So, anybody here in the Phillipsburg, Central PA area, you know, if you hear of anybody with the saddle set up, the elite kid from Tethered, it's probably mine. Uh, and, uh, you know, please let me know. And also, this past Saturday, had the opportunity to go back home, had a chance to get out in the evening on Friday night. And that evening, did not see anything, it was slow moving. Uh, however, on a walk back with my dad, we did kick up a buck and a doe bedding and to kind of rewind a little bit this past year, the first fawn drop that I saw on or fawn picture that I saw on trail cameras, on the cell cameras, I dated it back to this past weekend. So like the October 29th, 30th Halloween weekend. So I really wanted to hunt this weekend and on Saturday, it was just nuts. So I marked that spot where my dad and I kicked up that doe and a buck at night when we're walking back up. So I originally was not planning to hunt there. However, Trail Cam that evening, that night, uh early, I would say about like four a.m., had uh, a buck, two different bucks show up on camera. So I decided to hunt near that spot, kind of going blind. Had a little, you know, it's not very far from. Where my dad and I kind of enter our our locations, and from gray light until one o'clock, I had a bunch of deer movement from young bucks to two mature bucks coming through, and one of them being the piebald. And that was a really cool encounter. Kind of mistake on my part of was scared to kind of get busted if I would have moved to do a weak side shot. And when I moved around, worked around the tree, I did draw back. However, he was kind of moving at like 25 yards, kind of got spooked and he bounded. And I quick let down and I ranged him again at 36 and it was a tough shot through some thick stuff. I drew back and tried to grunt him to stop and he just kind of took off. So unfortunate situation, a beautiful deer His he's kind of all he, man, he, he just looks so awesome and his rack from last year blew up compared to what he was and then later on, it was about 12, 15, and it sounded like trees were falling down. And a doe, she must be the first doe that maybe got an estrus because she was running from five bucks, which were five to seven yards apart from each other, all in a line chasing her. And it was pretty cool to see. They did not stop. Uh, but that was the last deer movement that I saw for that day. I hunted all day in that spot. I did not get down kind of threw my plans out the window a little bit, but enough of that. I just wanted to give you a quick rundown already kind of chasing going on, which was kind of cool and uh, excited probably this upcoming week, two days after work. And then unfortunately uh, I guess you could say just, you know, on a personal side of things, I won't be able to get out this upcoming Saturday, got some family obligations, which is, you know, all good. And then the following week I'll be uh, doing a little bit of ruckation with the Sunday hunting coming up. So Best of luck, everybody. Hopefully you could uh, knock something down if you still haven't yet this upcoming two weeks and have fun, enjoy it. Thanks again, everybody, for all the support. Check out antlerupoutdoors.com. Thanks again to all of our partners and everybody working with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship go wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you go wild is a free social community not only are your photos not censored they're encouraged on go wild and go wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies gear reviews and inviting friends as you earn points you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards free swag knives huge discounts on brands like garmin and vortex and so much more and if you create a free account you can unlock ten dollars just for trying it out visit and download gowild.com to get started well Ryan I you were on the fall podcast with Blyy and when uh this episode drops it'll be November 2nd and you when you're you know you're you're the Babe Ruth man you're calling your shot oh. it, it would be it'd be Thursday 11 3 that you're gonna be yeah blasting this buck
0: well, the funny thing is, I I said that, and then I didn't realize where I'm going to be uh, November third. I'm supposed to be in Ohio. Uh, I think it's the October twenty sixth, twenty seventh till uh, November like fourth. So it's like, well, shit. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it might be a last day of heroics in Ohio if uh, if that's the case. So we'll see.
2: <laughs> that's all right. Killing a buck's killing a buck. Same time that Demetri will yeah. be down there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good time to
2: be down here that's awesome well Ryan let's jump right into it man let's talk about Sorry, let's start this conversation with what do you contribute to being so successful during this time frame of the season that early November time frame
0: uh to be honest with you growing up and hunting uh in Pennsylvania where I do um I really don't think I had a choice to be honest with you um you know i'm I'm 45 I've been hunting for what 31 years and uh you know, I was out there before antler restrictions and before antler restrictions, really, antler, antler restrictions really kicked in and started seeing the better quality bucks. You know, I had to do a lot of volume hunting. Um, and I and I was at, you know, reading back in the magazine articles and all about the October law. I kind of didn't really hunt real hard in October. Um, so I started figuring out late October, November, when deer really started to move, um, I started just putting all my time in then. And then... Uh, After decades of doing it, I just fine-tuned, you know, my skill set and just got really good at it. Um, I've just learned a lot of things over the years. Um, You know, a lot of people think the rut is a lot of luck involved, and of course it can be, but there's a skill set that can be applied to it also. And uh, just over decades of doing it, um, I just have game plan I come up with every year, and I feel pretty confident. (laughs) it.
1: Well, and I think before we dive into a deep hole of the rut, you know, the thing that I want to ask you too is a little off topic, but you know, one, is there ever a weekend that you are not in the woods? Because (laughs) I think every single person that follows you on Instagram is just jealous of seeing you, uh, strolling through the woods every Saturday, Sunday.
0: Yeah. Sundays I've been, I've been stuck at work. They offer that double time stuff on Sunday. So I've been sucking that up to pay for the hunting hobby. Um, but Saturdays. Um, You can probably count on one hand how many salaries I'm not in the woods uh, scouting or hunting. Um, That's kind of my day uh, to myself, part of the day. Um, I have it pretty good with my wife. She's big and working out, too. She goes to the gym Saturday mornings and stuff. we got a babysitter, my butt's in the woods. That's kind of how it works out really good for me. So now I usually try to get about five, six hours in, uh, get, you know, it depends six, seven, eight miles in on a Saturday, scout and troll cameras or whatever. You know, I try to be out there, uh, just trying to become a better woodsman every Saturday.
1: And the second question I have is how do you stay so calm with so many rattlesnakes so close to you? <laughs> uh,
0: the snakes just don't bother me, man. I have gotten into quite a few, and to be honest with stupid is, um, you know, I try to wear them damn snake chaps. I hate wearing them freaking things. And uh, through the summer, I don't really don't run into them. I will, but I've actually run into more like early spring, March, April, when it gets you that sixty degree day. You get around them. Them rock outcroppings and that—that's uh, where I end up. It's like walking on landmines. I get into one a few rattlesnakes. in warm spring days, man, it it can be a little sketchy some days.
2: <laughs> Demetri and I—I I remember when that one that you had that big long rock and there were multiple well, yeah. on that. Yeah. I, I just remember Demetri and I texting back and forth to each other, just being like, "Nope, on a rope, <laughs> no thank yeah,
0: you." I, was, I, I remember that. I was I was probably early part of summer if I yep. remember, and I I stopped. I was on my e-bike. I just stopped there in this opening. I looked over is like well damn, what if you in there? <laughs> Definitely yeah. not a place you want to sit down and take a take a seat for sure. <laughs> no,
2: no. I had the one encounter that I had back in August. What and not to, again trying not to go down a, a rabbit hole of anything, but. for many years, my dad and I would go up the club, up the mountain and we're trekking and we would see them like on the road and not have like really any encounters with them while we're scouting or doing anything, prepping, prepping the woods. So I go up there with two buddies and we earlier had them on and they're like, should we put them on? Should we put them on? I was like, nah, we're just going in and out. This is kind of like a a quick little You know, spot, spot, and we're walking on the quad path. Basically, it it's not a. That's what it is. And as we're walking, I'm looking to my left, talking to my friend, and then I don't know what made us stop, but we just went whoa, and that sucker coiled up, and like we just oh yeah slowly backed out of there, and I was man, I my butthole went real quick.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I tell you what, I'm just when I'm out in the timber. hiking. Uh, I just don't like bears and snakes. I just don't care. Yeah. Um, I'm covered in spiders in the summer and all that stuff cobwebs. webs. For whatever reason, it just doesn't phase me. I just go, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm on a mission, man. I just go. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Demetri, do you want to start off with any particular question?
1: Well, and I think the, the biggest thing with, with starting talking about the rut is, you know, obviously that first week in November, you know, everyone has their specific days that they, they really like to hunt, right? You know, we you said the third, you know, the fifth through the seventh is really that, that popular time. Talk a little bit about that first week in November where they're kind of, you know, going from the cruising phase into the pre-rut, you know, that's what I kind of determined maybe that, that time frame of how you're transitioning, you know, your hunting of, you know, cause I know before you talked about, you're kind of, you know, you like the scrapes and, you know, early October and trying to get that daylight movement. Now, how are you switching your strategy if at all at those points?
0: Uh, if you actually step it back a week, you know, October, I'm starting to really start keying on it, you know, on the scrapes and your security cover. And as the month goes on, even that, that last week of October, um, I'm still keying in on scrapes and stuff like that. But depending on the weather, you'll start seeing them bucks up cruising a little bit more. Um, I'll start, I'm still gonna be around security cover. That's always key, betting areas. And as that transitions that first week in November, I'm probably gonna maybe start backing off those scrapes a little bit, um, not right on top of them. I'm gonna start finding, more of the pinch points, the funnels, terrain feature, habitat features coming together, like a couple things coming together, that scrape's still playing a part of it possibly. You know what I mean? Because I've seen bucks hit scrapes all through November, December, January. That's still in play, but I'm going to not focus directly on that scrape off security cover to kill that buck right off his bed. Now I'm going to back off of that. I'm starting to think more of the doe bedding, um, transitions in between, that kind of stuff. Like I said, that scrape still plays a part in it. Um, but I'm starting to really focus and come at first week in November, I'm starting to concentrate on travel. You know, then bucks are going to be up on their feet. Yes, still hitting the scrapes, but now they're starting to get in around the doe bedding areas. Those are starting to pop. Some are starting to come in early. Um, the bucks are up on their feet. Um, you will get some of the bigger bucks I've noticed, especially hunting in the Midwest. We'll start locking down with that first does that time period too. Um, so that can be a little interesting, but I'm concentrating on terrain features and stuff like that, habitat breaks, all that stuff, a couple things coming together that's and I'm all day hunting now I'm starting to hunt all day this is where use when I start my all day grinds yeah
1: good now can you talk a little bit about dough bedding because I think that's a, a topic that gets talked about a lot but doesn't I guess dive into a little bit deeper of what that is especially in the big woods which I find myself struggling a little bit just because you know the dough density is not as high as some places or around Agfield yeah. where you, where you may yeah like I've heard people talk about eight to 10 does coming out of this doe bedding. Right. You know that obviously yeah. we know that's going to be a hot spot for bucks, the cruise at that early November, but here on the mountain, I mean, a thicket could have, you know, a doe and two fawns is may, might be the only, you know, considered doe bedding in that area. So how big of a bedding area are you looking for? You know, what's the density or the population of does that makes it a bedding area that you want to set up on?
0: it's so how i explain this this is how my theory on this is how i look at it um i'm not a buck bed hunter i'm not a doe bedding area hunter if this makes sense i'll retract from what i said earlier i'm a bedding area hunter my opinion and what i've seen over the years yes a buck will bed on a certain ridge point or certain in certain areas Um, But what I've noticed is the bedding area is going to hold bucks and does. That's what I've seen a lot of times, to be honest with you. Um, You know, an older, mature buck, he's going to probably have the prime spot maybe in that location. Um, But just from, like, running my trail cameras over the years, historical data, observation in the stand, um, in those bedding areas, I've seen bucks and does. Um, To me, I've seen them both. So to label it as a doe bedding area, you know, there is areas that hold maybe more does. Areas a little more bucks, of course. You know what I mean? I have seen that, but in general, I want to be in and around and fix shit to be honest with you. That's what I'm looking to do. You know what I mean? Um, and a lot of times, too, when you're running trail cameras, you'll see in October something I will pay attention to. dose. if you start seeing multiple does on them scrapes throughout the summer and into the fall, that's something to pay attention to. Okay, you may not be getting any big shooters on them scrapes and that, but leading up to the right now, those are in there. You got four or five does visiting that scrape throughout summer through the fall. Gotta pay attention to that because when they start to pop, and you, sometimes you learn that through historical data. You know certain dough groups are gonna come into play at certain times of year. You start figuring that out a little bit, you can really play that card and really cash in. I actually got some areas like that. I know I get in October, first couple days of November, I'm probably gonna have one or two good box crews and looking for the first does to come in heat.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I like that answer. Th- and that was like kinda a little bit too where I wanted to go with this Ryan and, and ask you like, I, I feel like during this time frame I've fallen victim to this. I'm sure a lot of hunters have fallen victim to this of not getting out there and finding the deer concentration instead of just like waiting back and letting the rut bring deer to me. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. that was like that. Like my question to you was going to be like, what is, how are you going out there to find deer and, and you know, Find that concentration and, and set up.
0: For for me, that comes down to my postseason scouting a lot of Got that. Um, you know, that postseason scouting, you're going in here, say, you know, season's gonna end here, you get out there February, March, April, you see that hot sign from the previous year. Now a lot of that sign's gonna pop up in October, and October, a lot of your rubs and scrapes. Now you remember that. Um, sometimes them rubbing scrapes, so that'll start backing off coming November a little bit. But those are typically still hot areas. A lot of that sign's popping around them does. You know, in bucks Lane down some side. I mean, of course, they're off their territory, but you start getting around them bedding areas and stuff where the does are at, you'll start seeing that sign pop up. So basically, what I do in the, in the postseason, I start keying in on that sign, that I'm looking at the bedding areas around there. So I kind of can figure out, okay, the hot sign's in here. You got security cover here, bedding cover here. Then I start working off that, looking for terrain stuff like that. And that's how a lot of times, um, say it's a new spot, you know, I'm going to have cameras in there, of course, and they're going to tell me a lot, of course, where an area I need to be or not to be. Um, but a lot of times I'm going off historical, area, or historical data. I've hunted these areas before, maybe not the exact tree, but in this general area. I know these spots are going to pick up at a certain time in November. I need to go in there a day or two. Now I will tell guys like, yes, you can sit there in a rut for 12, 14 days straight, scratch your nuts. You know, if it's cold, get out. You know, don't. I mean, I'm all for. I'll sit in a stand. If I'm in the action, there's no reason to move, right. especially if I know there's three or four good shooters in an area. That's what guys make mistakes. Like it's this new fad. I got to move every day. I got to you know run this set. And, you know, I'm all for moving and staying mobile. Come sometimes you got to buckle down, sit down. If you're in the hot, you know, if you're in the hot seat, stay there. Don't wait. But if it's cold, give it a day or two. Move, find them. It's the rut, you know. And one thing guys got to realize with the rut, you know, the first two three weeks in November, every day is not going to be good. Um, I'm telling you, I put a lot of time in the tree, and you're only going to get a couple of them fantastic days in the rut where you just see nonstop action. Um, you just come in the right place, at the right time. So you got to realize some days are just going to be slow. You may be the rut, and you're going to see guys killing box on social media, all this stuff. Your buddies are texting them; they're into it. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta be, I guess, passive aggressive. I don't know if that's a word. There's place to be patient, and you gotta be aggressive. You gotta learn that fine line in the run.
1: Well, I I feel like that's something that we've actually done pretty well the last few years. Like we've had a kind of tough October. You know, I'd say the last two or three years, we weren't super successful early on, but I think once it gets to that that rut time frame and what i've been really focusing on is keeping it simple of trying to find that doe population right you know when, when november rolls around and i'm getting maybe close to my rutcation at that similar time frame you know a lot of it i found out is trying to you know you have less leaves on the ridges so you can see a little bit further of just walking those ridges and figuring out where those does are bedding and i'm i feel more successful scouting and pushing three or four does off the ridge and figuring out where they were laying than i am looking for fresh scrapes or fresh rubs at that time frame and knowing where that doe concentration is and then i feel like the last two or three years during the rut i've had more encounters and been able to figure out where that hot action is Mm. taking place
0: yeah, yeah. you got to, like I said, you'll be willing to move. You got to know when to sit and you got to know when to move. You know, you'll know that. Some of that does come from experience. You know what I mean? You get that gut feeling. And I think the longer you do this, the more, you know, white tails under your belt, you develop that sixth sense and that gut feeling. You kind of know when to stay and you kind of know when to go. That, that takes some years of you know the woodsmanship and all that stuff to learn to master that.
2: Yeah, so with us being from Pennsylvania, how do you go about the the rut with adapting to pressure? And you could even apply this to going out of state with Ohio and Pennsylvania.
0: Uh, it, pressure really doesn't – you know, I don't want to go out my ass the next tree 20 yards over, you know what I mean? Um, you, For the most part, like, I have an advantage. I do take off some time. Um, something I have learned in the pressured states is that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday – I'll be honest, I have the wisdom myself a lot of times. Um, If you can schedule some vacation, you know, give up some secrets, but uh, instead of taking Friday or Monday off, take Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off. Um, It's going to be a lot better hunting, to be honest with you. Um, That's something I use to work around the pressure. Um, Saturdays, Friday afternoons, and Saturdays, you're going to see pressure based on the public land. Um, I've learned to find a big piece to get away from people. Um, I use that to adapt to it. Or sometimes everybody walks by the place that's right by the parking lot too. That that does happen also. Um, you got to keep an open mind. Um, but pressure, I think, growing up thirty years in PA, to be honest, you, it does not bother me. Um, it doesn't. If a guy walks in on me, a squirrel hunter, another hunter, whatever, crossbow hunter, chalk it up, move on. Um, I, I many times I've actually stuck it out. Have had guys come in an hour before dark, screw me up, waited out, and I've killed last 10 minutes a day Yeah, you know, it's a rut things can happen um so uh don't get frustrated with the pressure yeah
1: now how do you tackle an out-of-state trip of you know someone that's going that week at of the rut uh first week in november maybe obviously they they haven't been able to get that trail cam data or inventory some a new piece maybe they've put boots on the ground once during the summertime. just got a little layout of the land what is your key to going in there? Are you just kind of scouting it to find hot sign? Is there a certain train feature? Maybe you're going to focus on first and then kind of move around. What's your game plan in those first couple of days out of state on a new piece?
0: Um, you know, I'll, I'll do what everybody does. I'm going to be on, you know, I'm going to jump on Spartan forge Look at the. I'm going to look for the transitions, the edges, the cover. I'm going to try to find the cover. Um, that's what I'm going mean, to work off that. Um, a trick I use, um, out of state and in state, um, if there is a creek system that runs through that property, that's probably the first place I'm going. I'm getting in the creek and I'm walking that creek. Um, I'm going to find where the creek crossings are. Um, good way to cut a big set of tracks. A lot of times I'll work off that creek crossing. Say if I cut a big set of tracks, I'll either backtrack it or follow those tracks. And a lot of times, that's going to lead you to a pretty damn good spot. Um, I do that a lot with my post Scott and scouting PA. I like hitting those bottoms, those creek bottoms, and working those out. A lot of times, those will, you know, you'll follow up a point of a ridge or something like that to a bedding ridge or, or such. I'll get on big scrape lines, run on these big ridges, side of these ridges. Man, I couldn't tell you how many countless times um, using that tactic has put me in a hot spot.
2: I think, too, one of the key th- words when it comes to out-of-state hunts this year that on podcasts that, that we have heard so far even is the fact of scouting more and hunting less right yeah. and, and is that also when it comes to that time frame it is something that you're it's not just an early season thing it's it's a whenever i'm i'm out of state and i need to figure out what the game plan is going to be basically
0: if, if like if i was approaching an out-of-state hunt right now i think going to rut what uh, if I had, like I said, some historical data, that would play in a little bit where I may stick out a spot two or three days in a row. If I had some really good data, had a couple good bucks in that area. But if I was kind of going in blind or or, or or not real familiar with the area, actually, I can go back to my Ohio hunt last year. Um, I kind of put all my eggs in one basket um, by trail cameras. When I got down there, it wasn't that great, and I kind of burned myself. But um, I was there with Mr. Nathan Killen. Um, Nathan and am killing on that, on that trip, and he pretty much... Um, wrote the book on how it should have been done that time of year. Um, It was basically went in midday, scouted, found a good spot, hunt the afternoon, left that set up, you hunt it the next morning. It's dead, midday, you move it, you you do the same thing, you repeat that. Once you get into it, then you can sit back for a day or two and hunt. Um, That is... Probably one of the deadliest tactics in a new area. Um, in the rut, in general, you can use that. You know right. what I mean. I do like to base a lot of mine off historical data, and I may put two, three days in an area for that. But um, in a new spot, you're not really getting into it. it it's been a cold hunt. Um, that is an excellent tactic. Tactic, you know, get in midday, scout, hang that set for the afternoon, hunt that same spot in, in the morning. It ain't ain't there? Don't got that feeling. Tear down and do it again. Repeat that process till you kill or you get into it. You know, hot and heavy. I think that's probably um, the number one tactic, uh, in my opinion. To do
2: yeah, and I, that's basically was that was the next kind of area that I wanted to move into, yeah. which is great because I was going to say like figure out what's happening before you get up in the tree. Like yeah. I don't like again, like going back to like falling victim of the wait, sitting back and waiting instead of actually making sure like this is a good spot right uh, you know yeah because i've
0: been guilty of it too i mean i I, like said ohio's perfect example like i went against everything i I talk about on podcasts and honestly i went down there and i had fantastic trail cam pictures and everything from the previous season i based it off only historical data off the trail cameras soon as i went in there i knew it was cold i knew i should cut the hell out of there but i was stubborn didn't really know the area real well and uh and and it burned me. And I tell you this, it won't happen again this year. <laughs> and it was cool to, you know, watch my watch. My buddy Nathan really like. To be honest, with you, I knew he, like it was. I think he killed like the fourth morning or fifth morning. And we all in camp said we knew he was killing that morning. Like the confidence, and that's what you could see him. He was just. It was cool to watch that day by day break that area down until he was in the chips. It, it was really really cool to watch, and I, I I learned a ton in those few days from him. Yeah
1: now can what what kind of hot sign are you looking for obviously we know if you see a doe getting chased by a buck you know that's the obvious that's a hot doe you need to be in there um you know obviously if you have trail cameras and you're seeing daylight pictures but what what other sign that would lead you to you know uh, a new piece or new track saying i need to be here tonight or this is good enough to set up on Uh, tomorrow or for a day or two, what are you looking for other than that, the obvious that makes you want to be there?
0: I mean, of course you're like I said, you in your October, you're going to see a lot of your scrapes, a lot of your rubs pop up. You're still going to see that in November, of course. Um, But, If you start, you know, on a new piece of property, it can be a little more difficult. You know, you're going to try to find that hot sign, the hot, you know, the rubs, the scrapes, all that stuff. Um, Tracks are really key then. Um, Tracks are going to tell you a lot. They can tell you a lot about deer activity. Um, That's going to help. Um, Like I said, if you're in an area, you're like uh, from PA, I got historical data. That's a little different game plan because now I'm going off my postseason scouting, I'm going off my summer trail cameras, and I'm going off my in-season scouting. That's a little easier to formulate a plan to slip in and kill something. Um, out of state, that's where you can get a little. Uh, you got to watch the watch the hot sign because remember that's always in the past. So that you got to watch. You can get kind of in a trap. Get on what you think is hot sign, and it's already been cold for four or five days. Um, so that sometimes I'll keep an eye on maybe the, uh, the tracks on the trail stuff like that. Yeah, maybe catch a big set of tracks in a creek crossing. Um, that all kind of plays into there. Sometimes that. You just gotta go in and hunt that afternoon, and hunt that next morning, and fill it out. If you're seeing deer, maybe you're in chips, or you just gotta do a little bit of a, a tweak to your setup. Um, that's just you. You just gotta kind of fill it a little bit. You know, put some time in a tree for a couple hours. Just don't don't spend days in a tree because that's what's gonna burn you. You know, right?
2: So the whole volume hunting thing, and you know, let's let's kind of maybe throw a hypothetical out there. You know, you're you know historically this this is a good spot you know you plan on maybe being in there for a day or two at least to see what kind of movement is going through there like when does that all day sit need to pivot you know what i mean like like throw maybe like again hypothetical were in that you're at you're in there from a morning to to tonight and then that next morning happens and it's still not happening are you getting down and going to scouting your way to a next point b
0: if not, say we're in PA, we're going off, and we have a whole year to scout and troll cameras. All that, you know, if I'm going to spot and say I got troll cam information, I got three shooters in this general area, um, I'm going to be more willing to stick it out in that spot, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though I have a cold morning or two or a cold day, like I said, remember the rut's not all, you know, going crazy every day. So maybe i got a slow day, day and a half. I'm still going to stick that out. If i got, say, historically-wise, i got some data for that area, either trail cam or in person in a tree. Um, but if I have multiple shooters in the area, you know, I'm going to – and maybe I don't stick in that exact same tree. You know what I mean? But I'm going to stay in that area, general area. If I have multiple shooters on a camera, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not trying to be cocky, arrogant, but I'm pretty damn confident. I'm putting an error in one of them. I just need to put some time in the tree right now. That that's key to me. Um, once they make a mistake, I don't care if they're nighttime pitchers either. I see multiple shooters on a camera; they're in trouble in a run. That's just how I feel. You know what I mean? That that's kind of how I play it.
2: Yeah. When you say you, you know you don't care if it's even a nighttime photo, is it no. because of the you know they're in that area? They're they're bound to make that one slip up, and you just kind of have that that confidence.
0: Yeah. Um, that goes off a lot of just past history. I've killed a lot of bucks. I've only had nighttime pitchers. First time I, I saw him, I killed them. Yeah, yeah. I've had that. And uh, when it's end of October, end of November, um, yeah, I'm confident. It, it's It's the key to that is I tell guys – is multiple pitchers, not one lone pitcher at 2 a.m. on October 31st of 160-inch. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yep. It's He's been in there, you know, every two three days you're seeing him, you know. So, he's in that area. You're in that core area where he's in there cruising looking for that first dough or two. Um, that's where I, that I get excited. When he's starting to show up, I don't care if it's night, he's in there a couple of times that late October in, in the first part of November – He's going to screw up. He just hasn't. You know what? A lot of times, too, cameras only tell you a very, very fraction, small fraction. I love trail cameras. You can get tied up them. I can't tell you how many times I've been in areas where I've had a trail camera, and I've seen double digits on public land in P8 bucks, and not one of them some bitches went by that camera. So yeah. you got to take up grain of salt.
1: Yeah. Now, as far as your camera data, c- continuing on with that what past data makes you want to hunt those specific areas on that day? You know, you talking, you've had one good buck uh, last year on November 3rd, and then you maybe got a summertime picture, so you kind of know he's in the area still, or is it that maybe on November 4th you got three or four different bucks last year, or is this multiple years? How are you using your past data for that week uh, knowing you want to be in that area? Because obviously let's say, you haven't gone any of those mature bucks on that camera, but the historical data has shown you on it's those days that typically they show up. What, how much past data do you need to go into that spot on that day?
0: Well, I, I'm never really hunting a certain buck, uh, you know, because a lot of times, you know, how your your PA, um, it's hard to get them year to year. Um, a lot of times, you know, I see a good three, four year old de- deer, a buck this year. He's usually going to die. Um, so, but what I base it off is is how many, like say November fourth in a certain spot, or or like a November third, fourth, and fifth, say a time frame a, on a trail camera. in There, I had like three, four really good bucks in that area. Um, I'm gonna feel really, really confident the following year that same time period. Uh, weather, the law, weather will dictate a lot. Um, if same conditions. I'm pretty confident I'm going to get the same, same thing. Uh, maybe not three or four, but one or two are going to show up. You know what I mean? In general, um, a lot of that might be based off the dough group in that area. And uh, those does are coming to heat around that time. You know, um, that's something also, like I said before, to focus on also, but um, how I'm using that historical data is not a specific buck, but maybe there's multiple shooters showing up in general area. You're seeing that area get hot for whatever time frame it is. And I'll keep track of that and write that down in a journal. And then go back to that. You know, remember that phone year. Um, that's where cell cams can be extremely dangerous in the right guy's hands. Um, because if I got a cell cam up, I got a little historical data for an area. Two or three shooters show up. It's it's going to be game over. Yeah, right. you know what I mean. Yeah, that, that can be deadly. You know, because it it, it it takes a little bit of the guesswork out of
2: the game there. The, the kind of types of questions, Demetri, you're asking, and I'm, I'm and the, which kind I'm asking. You know, Ryan, when you talk about this time frame there's a lot of good things that a hunter could do. And there's a lot of bad things, I guess a hunter could do, you know, the obstacles, what are some obstacles maybe that you face personally, uh, during this time frame where that maybe you've learned from and you capitalize on, an, on a same year, different day of a hunt, maybe the next year, like how you were just saying about Ohio, you're not going to let, you know, that whole volume hunting when you knew it was cold, but you still were stubborn, you know, what other obstacles do do you kind of see hunters make or yourself, you know, made in the past and how do you avoid them and overcome them?
0: Um, Sometimes, like I said, you can get stuck in old reliable. Um, You can get stuck of going back to an area you've had past history. Like I, I, a lot of mine, I love historical data. You can get tied up in that also um, to a spot maybe – like, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I have a spot I've killed quite a few bucks that last couple of years in a row. Um, but it's not really holding the quality deer I want anymore. But I'll go back here and kill the, the same damn deer because the, the, the grind starts, everything else. We want to kill a deer. So, that. Like, yeah. so I fall in that trap a little bit sometimes. trying to do anymore, more. Uh, but I think guys will do that in general. They go back to that tree or back to that spot. And maybe just, you know, the one time was luck. You know what I mean? There is no historical data there, just with luck. And you just go back to the old reliable or something like that. Sometimes you can fall in that trap a little bit, going back to the same spot, same spot, same area, instead of maybe branching out a little more and finding that, uh, a better quality buck or finding a hot sign, the hot action. You know what I mean? Um, I think you can fall in that trap a little bit.
2: And, then, and I'll try to maybe even flip it on on a positive side of it, is the fact of like how in that general area, I'm – I think back to that twenty. What would that have been the twenty twenty rut for us, Dimitri? When it was like in the in the teens, uh, when it wasn't because it, that week prior to it was smoking hot, right? Like as far as the the weather, it was too. It was oh, really I remember twenty twenty. off. it was yeah, warm, was but then that was bad. But where we were, Ryan, it it really got crazy. What was that, Dimitri? Like the thirteenth through sixteenth mm-hmm. timeframe for us, Ryan? I mean, it was just batshit crazy just i mean Hmm. i mean i would set up i would get like as soon as the day would break i'm getting trails of doe running for their lives and bucks tongue out falling over deadfall and i'm like screaming hey 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 to get them to stop (laughs) to get a shot and they were just still running i mean it was that crazy but i remember kept saying to myself okay here I was just, I was just on the outside of the fringe and I would get up and move and get up and move closer to the, like where I was seeing those deer the next day and the next morning and all that type of stuff. So I feel like for me that being mobile, right? No matter what you're doing, whether it be saddle Mm -hmm. hunting or being in a light, you know, lone wolf custom gear, light, you know, tree stand that you have Ryan, just to get down. And like how we kind of mentioned earlier, you may not sit in the same tree, but you're going to be in that same area because you might see what's you're you're out of it, but not totally out of the game.
0: Yeah, big thing in the. Well, I say this just to feed off of that. Um, one thing I've noticed, like you'll see in the morning a lot of times, you'll have a doe come through and you have bucks on her ass end. Um, sometimes then bucks aren't what you want to shoot, or maybe it is. Um, if she's 70, 80 yards out there, um, get over there. Pull down right then. You know, once it cools down, get over on that trail. Um, I've shot many a bucks where I've had a doe come through in heat in the morning, three, four bucks, tagging behind her. Later that day, I've had a, a shooter come down that same trail on her trail hours, like eight hours, seven, eight hours later, and I've killed him. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid to move during the rut when you see that. Um, go move. It, you know, I've seen that many a times. You got a hot doe come in, get on her trail and, uh, and hunt that.
2: Yeah, and I think to go along with that is – I mean, this is just the way I'm thinking about it is that you're able to get away with a little bit more during this time frame. like,
0: you are. You are. Like,
2: no doubt about that. So I feel like even for how efficient some people are, man, it's only going to take you minutes, you know, within a half hour, you're going to be where you need to be. And like Ryan, you just said, you're going to be able to sit up there, maybe wait seven more hours to that nighttime. Cause that happens at seven in the morning. And then who knows, yeah. maybe five hours later, you know, when it just cracks that past noon time, when that doe or when that buck is, you know, gets up and leaves that doe to go look for another doe, you might be, you know, in that right spot, right time.
0: It's one of the rut, man. That's why it's, that's why it's addicting, man. Uh, It can be fun. It's uh, the ups and downs of it. There's a lot of highs, a lot of lows, but man, is it fun.
2: Talk a little bit more about like your terrain features. I know like earlier you were saying about the cover and the thickest stuff, just because you know, that, that, again, I harp on that a little bit more of why that you really, cause that's almost an all year thing. Right. Like when you if if you're a, a bed hunter, you want to try mm-hmm. to find that thickest, nastiest stuff where it's going to lead to a scrape. So you're you're setting up on there. And, you know, yeah. I don't I don't really hear that much, uh, I guess, kind of answer when it comes to when you hear a uh, rut strategy is still being close to that thick, thick, you know, nasty yeah, like stuff.
0: Basically, what I'm doing, like I'm, I still want to be around. I may not be right on top of that thick security cover, like say in October and I'm like, you know, that bucket bedding in that thicket, I'm not very far off the like at net, that scrape or that first white oak or something right off that security cover. Maybe try to kill him in October. Like I said, I'm starting to see a lot of these big mature bucks in October coming right off that security cover, hitting that first scrape. You know, that's something of course key on air. But when it comes to the rut, now I might back off that cover a little bit more and hunt terrain and uh, different uh, habitat breaks and stuff, that are all kind of coming together. You know, maybe I'm 50 yards, maybe 150 yards off of that. I don't want to be in big, open, middle, open timber. But say there's a pretty decent transition between multiple bedding areas. Now, you start getting these little pockets of different bedding areas, three, four different clear cuts, whatever – Then you kind of get in the middle of a kind of a hub of that area, a travel corridor. Say there's a creek crossing down there. There's a couple points of ridges dumping down in that creek. Now you've got multiple intersections there, multiple opportunities coming together in one spot. Yeah, yeah, you can go hunt that upper third of a ridge, you know, the leeward side of a ridge and catch them bucks cruising. Well, I'd rather run off to that point still work at upper third, but catch that point where they're coming up and down that point of that ridge. So now i got two things in play. You know what I mean? Yep. But then you look off of that, say there's three or four more points coming down to a creek bottom where you can play the thermal. It's wide enough where you can play the thermal a win. Say you have three or four ridges dumping down to a thick creek bottom. Now I can utilize the creek crossings and this point of the ridges as a travel. Now I have five things in play, and that's what I'm looking for. I don't want to hunt one. It's some situations, yes, it calls for that. I'd rather, if I'm going to be grinding all day in a rut, and I find a good spot. If I find a spot like that, there's a bunch of shit coming together. My trail cameras are telling me some good shit. Uh, Yeah, I'm feeling pretty damn good. It's a little easier waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning to sit all day when you just know it's a matter of time. That's kind of areas that really key in on the rut. And that's where guys will start making some mistakes, too. They're only hunting the leeward side of the ridge. That kills plenty of bucks every year. But how about if you work off that little bit? Find that, where that point or a ditch crossing or something, there's a couple things coming together. Now you've doubled your odds, you know, that's kind of things there. And that's where you got maybe put in two days to hunt dark to dark or three days, dark to dark. If your conditions are right, your entry is good, you know, and your exit's good. That's where you start putting some all day grinders in, you know, nobody likes to sit all day, but on a third day, if it's going to kill you 120, 30 inch deer in PA, it's going to be worth it, you know? Yep.
1: Now, would you say, like, so someone going out of state, the, those crick bottoms you said kind of scouting that way up, but you know, you kind of slowly run out of time. Is that a good place to start, right? You know, maybe you're yeah. doing sit in that crick bottom where you can kind of
0: I mean, crossings are deadly in the rut. Let me tell you, I there's one other spot I will run a trail camera. Um, I'll run 90% on a scrape, on some sort of scrape a lot of times. Um, the other one is going to be either like a ditch crossing or a creek crossing. Um, those areas are deadly um, in the ruts. Uh, creek crossings, I couldn't tell you how many times time, so I put cameras on creek crossings, left them on video mode, come in after the season, and you'll get a couple-day period, man, just mature bucks cruising, you know, in and out of them thick bedding areas and them creek bottom and stuff. Creek bottom, thick creek bottoms, man, they are fun to hunt. They're, they can be difficult if they're tight, you know, because if the wind swirls and stuff like that. You can find one where you can play the thermals of wind. Um, that's a deadly setup in a rut, deadly. Yeah.
2: And you mentioned too, like historical data. That, you know, this past September, you you were out scouting that a little new area, and I remember you posting on on Instagram, and you mm-hmm. showed like, "Hey, I'm look at this new creek bottom. It looks even better." And
0: yeah, it, that that spot I found last the last Saturday, and uh, <laughs> uh yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's a bitch to get to, but man, it's it's. Uh, I got a lot of comments in that area.
1: What about a lot of creek? Creek bottoms, especially in Pennsylvania, you'll find that maybe you're scouting in the summer or, you know, I know Jeremy and I have been to a couple of different ones in the March and April when the snow's melting. So there actually is quite a bit of water flowing through that creek. But a lot of them here in Pennsylvania, you find in the fall that they're dried up and there's not so much, you know, water or uh, wetness to the creek bed and they're dried up. Is, are you still going to focus on those areas come the rut and in the fall I guess as long as you, if you don't have that camera inventory.
0: Yeah. I'm still looking for the Creek crossings themselves. I I really don't care what's in the Creek, if it's six foot deep or nothing in it. I'm still going to use, cause a lot of that's still going to have your high bank stuff like that. As you work that Creek systems out, you're going to find those low spots where they prefer to cross, you know, Um, then you work off that looking for your bedding cover and stuff like that. So I still utilize them. It doesn't really matter what's in per se.
2: When you look at your, your perfect setup, right. On, On a, on a cold, beautiful November day, what, what does that look like to you? What's around, uh, what's around you? Where, where are you set up in, in your, in your dream situation? Where do you, uh, we'll, you know you're going to happen?
0: This, we'll take this spot. Where we were just talking about, I just found, um, I have multiple clear cuts around me. Um, I think there's maybe four or five clear cuts in a, in a, say a mile area, roughly, you know, it's pretty, pretty large track um there's multiple ridge systems dumping down to a creek bottom um the way the one ridge system comes down it kind of flattens out to a plateau to where i can get in i can utilize the creek system for access in and out without anything knowing me um with that plateau it's caused that creek bottom to open up enough say 150 yards to where i get a steady west wind i get my thermals i can play a lot of that in there and not get the swirl not get busted um with that multiple ridges dumping down there, and that creek, they're going to use that creek bottom too. They like to run them creeks. Um, There's actually multiple creeks coming together right there. So there's multiple kind of runways there with the creeks. I got all those ridge points dumping down there, and I got multiple clear cuts on top of the ridges. So if you start thinking about that, they're going to run down them points, cross the creek, go up the next, you know, bedding area, vice versa. You'll see that. They'll run parallel to that creek bottom to the next clear cut up another ridge, down, you know, 200 yards away. All day, that's just all day traveling. It's like an interstate, if you think about that. You know, you look at the cloverleaf or type of an interstate, all those multiple exits. That's kind of the way that's what it look for, you know. It's it most like when you're getting on a freeway, get around a major city, and you got all those little turns and everything else, all those exits, exit around them cloverleafs. That's kind of how I look at it, I guess. Just all that different things come to that one point, right. you know. And you kind of get yourself in there. Now, you may not be able to, you know, depending on the size of it, you know, you're looking You gotta look at that from the big view, too. That area of my in? you know, it's 150 yards across. There's a lot of trees in 150 yards. You know what I mean? So you may have to bounce in that area. Now, I might not hunt that certain tree in a spot like that, but there's three or four spots I might play. Maybe that wind's off a little bit, or I'm learning the thermals are doing something a little different. I can bounce around in there a little bit and play that game. Um, but big key, the big, big key, guys, I will tell you this, is like a spot like that is your entry. Use a ditch. Use a creek system. Don't get lazy. If you got to go a half mile, a mile out of your way, for a clean entry, get it. I'm telling you that that is something I've learned. I've been around some of the best white tail hunters last couple of years. Got to talk to one on one. One thing they all have in common is you master the wind, you master the thermals, and pay attention to those entries. You know what I mean? That's really really key.
1: Now, if you had to sit in one perfect spot the whole first week in November, where would it be as far as terrain features, cover? You know, you sitting in that creek bed, you sitting on that bench on the upper third. Uh, you know, if you had to pick just one spot, you weren't allowed to move any other area on that terrain, what were it to be?
0: Like that situation we just talked about, I would try to, in that area, I would break it down to where I would see, say the transition coming out of the bedding, um, say there's a Creek crossing and which leads up to a point of a ridge, you know, I would try to find where in that vast area where I guess you say the concentration of multiple areas. If that would make sense, uh, like a couple of things came together in one spot. Like I said, I'm never. I don't want to hunt just the creek crossing. I want to work off of that creek crossing. Still, yeah, you know, maybe I'm fifty, seventy-five yards off that creek crossing, but that's where it ties into a bench or an old log in road ties into a bench. I got two things coming for me now. Like I said, that's kind of how I would look for that perfect spot. In that spot is is how I'd find too, If I had one spot to sit and I couldn't move. Well, I'd give the, that area. What's going to give me the multiple options in that spot? If that makes sense.
2: Yep. How do you train the mind? I guess when it comes to those all day sits, because you know it's just <laughs> you, yourself, and I up there, and you are you're you're playing all those what, scenarios. I give, I give a lot
0: of credit to my dad. I give a lot of credit to my dad when I started hunting. When I was fourteen. Um, I started way around back in the early nineties, like I said, before ant antler restrictions restrictions, antler and uh, you saw four corn, my God, that was a booner. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, but my dad instilled to me, um, you got morning, you hunted, you hunted dark, to dark. That's what you did. You know, we rifle hunted. I didn't start bow hunting until I was 16, but, uh, even when I bow hunting, you know, on Saturdays, you know, we weren't necessarily in a tree all day. We were out there all day. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think just over the years, I've just learned and adapted, um, to hunt dark to dark and, and older I got, the more I started becoming a rut hunter. Um, I started really being really successful in a rut, and that thing I was a big key too is I, I I have killed a lot of whitetails. I've killed a lot of whitetails in a rut. It's the confidence, and it's the confidence that I'm sitting all day, and to be honest, the middle of the day, I've probably seen majority of the big bucks midday. Um, to be honest, seen a rut. Um, middle of day is probably best action I. I mean, you get the morning and evenings of course, but man, I've had some of my best hunts from eleven to one. I can tell you how many awesome. Just sit there all morning, it's slow as hell and like ten thirty, eleven o'clock, something just man, it's crazy for two hours, you know. Um so mentally wise, I just I am I'm just uh I know I'm geared a little different. Um, you know, it does wear on me. Uh, I'll be first one physically and mentally. It can be tough. Um, but being successful over the years helps. And um, I like to eat, so we take a lot of food. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, we, we have a game plan. Like, I take a one-gallon Ziploc bag, literally. Um, I eat at, like, say, 8, 30, 9 o'clock. We have lunch about eleven thirty, and we have, like, that early afternoon about 2 o'clock. Um, take something to drink. That helps a lot, to be honest. It kind of breaks up the time. And, uh, you know, we're all guilty of getting on the phone a little too much. Um, lawyers, they don't have service, so that can kind of suck. But uh, you just got him mentally prepared for it. Um, a, how bad do you want it? Right, you know what I mean. At the end of the day, how bad do you want like you think of this? I mean, I do a lot of scouting. You know, I live for this shit, I man. I love it. I mean, no. God and family first, but then there's them damn white tails. Um, but how bad do you want it? And really, you think about it, say two, three weeks out of the year. Now we don't have all have to be able to take weeks off. Like you know, I'm fortunate enough to take a month off. But you know, you got a week's vacation or two weeks vacation. You think about it in the grand scheme of things, the whole year that's nothing, man. No. I mean, you can. You, I mean, if you want it. You should be able to do it day in and day out. And I'm not saying sit in a tree every day, but your ass should be out there um, every day grinding it out. Now, I will take a break. i, I told guys, if you, you don't want to make mistakes, if you're calling for heavy rain in the morning, I'm probably going to sleep in two hours and go out. Or in the evening, say there's a big thunderstorm rolling in. I hate hunting rain. I will do it, but it sucks. You know, be honest with you, when it's pouring down rain stuff, you know, maybe I, I you know, get out of the tree at 1 o'clock, it's a shitty day. It's storming like crazy. It's November tenth, and then November 9th It's been slow. I'll stop McDonald's away way home, get something to eat for a treat, and then go home and get to bed early and get some rest. You know, don't be afraid. Still to to you you know also take a day, take a morning, and 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 uh, kind of recharge your batteries. You're really really been grinding hard, but like you say, getting back to it. How bad do you want it though? And you know, too, you know, you, you got to take it. It's a short time, man. We live for this shit. It's coming. It's here. Um, you know, we work all year for this, so um, be willing to put the time in if you want that back.
2: Yep, I just think too, it's like that time where, man, I, like now more than anything it, within the last couple of years, especially like moving ahead to this year, it's the one time where I like I'm so ready to just go and do that and be lost, you know, in in a sense of by yourself and yeah. and embrace that that time because again, I yep. even. And then that's the one other aspect of when I talk to other individuals when, because they know I saddle hunt and they're like, oh, how do you stay in a saddle all day? Do you have any issues? And like, I still don't, I still remember, I won't forget certain times when I talked to certain individuals when I, before I did it, I was like, what are you thinking? Like, oh man, it sucks and blah, 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 blah. But -hmm. like, when you fine tune your, you know, like you said about your food thing, you, you know, you're yeah. comfortable, you're able to embrace that. And that helps, you know, take the edge off a little bit. Well, it's the same thing too, even with your gear, when you are able to oh, yeah. get yourself dialed in and come like quote unquote comfortable where you're not, it doesn't suck as, as bad, you know? Yeah. And-
0: you you got to be okay being, I told guys, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable yep. um, because there's nothing fun about sitting no matter really your style. When we start grinding and you look on social media and you swear to God, everybody's killed a buck but you. Yeah. It can get mentally oh yeah. rough and physically. So uh you gotta take that in play. Um you gotta keep a good mindset you know throughout it. You know what I mean? Like I said, we get back to where, you know, how bad do you want it. Um it's gonna get tough mentally physically wise and you gotta you gotta prepare yourself for that. That's what yeah. a lot of times I do also is I, I kinda prepare for that ahead of the season. I know you know, sometimes you get it easy, and you get a good season, you get one on your belt quick. Uh, but majority of time, you're 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 grinding out in November a lot of times. So you got to be willing to do that. You know, be mentally prepared for that.
1: Well, and I think that's also that first week in November, or even later on uh, that first week. Uh, a lot of pressure builds up in that time frame too, right? You know, you want to be out there, but. maybe you had a rough october you didn't have a lot of encounters and then you start putting that pressure on yourself and i know i'm guilty of it a lot because every year it gets closer to my rotation, and then you know you may only have four or five more sits that left of the whole archery season right and you might not even had a good encounter and don't even have a kind of buck that you know that's in the area so you you know that pressure builds up and you know you want to be out there and do it but then if you wean on that pressure you're going to lose that focus and, oh, then, yeah. and then you're really going to go down a rabbit hole. And then instead yeah. of enjoying yeah. that time out there, you're just going to kind of, yeah. Not yeah. This,
0: yeah. I've, I've said this before. Um, you know, you you have your close circle of friends, you know, they pay attention to what you kill and stuff like that. Outside of that, you're going to get your 15 minutes of fame on Instagram or Facebook, whatever you post it on. After that, nobody really gives an F. They do not give a shit. You know what I mean? So remember that do it for yourself Hey, we all have a little bit of pride and a little bit of ego. We all do. We're all men, even the women out there. You know what I mean? Everybody has a little bit of that. You want to be successful. But at the end of the day, do it for yourself. And let me tell you what. I know some of the best white tail hunters in the country did not kill a buck last year. And they're twice a the hunter I'll ever be. You know what I mean? So just because you don't, just because you eat a tag this year doesn't mean shit. That doesn't mean you're a better hunter, or worse hunter, or whatever, anybody. It's called hunting. We're hunting a wild animal. Some years, man, I've had them. It doesn't matter what the hell I do; it just doesn't work out. And I don't care what time I've put hundreds and hundreds of miles and hours in. Some years, man, it just you're hunting public lands and pressured areas. Even guys on private, know you're going to struggle some years and not uh, be okay with that. And uh, you're not out to, to impress anybody. Uh, do it for yourself. Yep.
2: Well said. Well said. And and one thing too, I do want you to talk about because this is the time frame where maybe some people. Do a little bit of calling. Then you have p- other people that are are calling since day one. You know, yeah. what what is your calling strategies during this time frame?
0: Um, it kinda depends where I'm at. Um if I'm in Iowa, you know, the Ryder Horns are gonna be on the grunt call. I do a lot of calling in Iowa. That's a whole different ball game, some places in the Midwest. Um, here in PA in public land, pressured, I do not call hardly at all. That's just my style. Um, I always carry a grunt tube with me because um, I will, you know, certain situations, um, if that buck, he can't get downwind to me, I will throw him a call, a grunt call or something. Um, maybe a snort wheeze, if, if, depending if he's a mature buck. Um, but I typically don't call very much. Um, it's just not me. Um, I've done it you know, growing up, you know, the first couple of decades of doing this, yeah, I had ever, I had the black rack, I had bleak can, I had all of it, and yeah, I called in year-year-olds and two-year-olds, occasional three-year-old, but, uh, for the most part, like, when you're in a pressured area, even your two-year-olds start catching on to that, that's their third season already, they've heard it, you yeah. know, so, personally, um, you know, you got to kind of read the temperature of the deer, you know, some are aggressive, and it'll work, you know, a four- or five-year-old possibly, you know, but, uh, me personally, I have it there if I need it, uh, but I don't use it very often.
1: That's what it. about in Ohio on public ground?
0: Um, you know, it's pre- same. I, I I will do it maybe a shade more. Um, I'm all about. To be honest, with you, I'm like an assassin. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit up there and I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to wait for him. That, that's how I play it.
2: I just remember always hearing people, especially during this time frame, say every 45 minutes, I'm I'm grunting and I'm hitting the horns and you know yeah and. Uh, and I get both sides in the sense of I get that, you know, deer are out cruising. And if they're all the yep. way on one side, you know, maybe they did they not hear it. It, and it then, can work. It, yeah. It, I mean, like you said, it, it can work. But I also, I've been over the past year, Ryan, I've been leaning more towards of what you are doing. Like being yep. that quiet and bringing the grunt tube if, you know, if, if need be and, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm just, like you said, at, at what point are these deer just being like, there it is again, here we go. Yeah. You know, I know for. Yeah, I think,
0: yeah, especially you start getting in your three-, four-year-olds. You, you know what I mean? I think uh, in so many situations, they've, you know, they got the, but you know how it is in PA. Uh, they probably had some lead and some arrows flung at them well, by that age. And uh, they've kind of, they've come into it at a year-and-a-half, two-year-old, as a two-year-old, two and got busted. Right. Or, you know, busted somebody. And I think that, that you know, they kind of, you know, they get that ingrained in them a little bit
2: so day five of the season last year okay so in 2021 day five which was would have been well i guess it would have been day six because it was uh a friday i was in back at home northeastern pa on with with a friend of ours that that uh his name's tim we go hunting we're out and he goes hey i got permission on the spot i've you know, he's showed me some, some buck pictures. He's like, let's just go in here together. And so he was on one side. I was on one other side. We could see each other. So if a deer came up behind me in a sense, I could take the whack at it. If it came up from the bottom, like towards him, he was going to take a whack mm-hmm. at it. So we get set up Ryan. And within five minutes, I just got done, put my camera arm on and I'm watching Tim get set up. And all of a sudden I hear shh, just like racket coming in and you just see like the like the brush trees and the briars moving i'm like what in the hell is that and then all of a sudden you hear meh 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 and you hear and i like tim calls me he goes do you see what's happening i said i i could hear what's happening but i can't (laughs) see yet and he goes a dude just walked in from the side of me with a crossbow gets on this like like a volleyball <laughs> platform, and just starts uh, run calling and spraying pink stuff. On. Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah oh
0: i man! I've seen some funky shit. out there. <laughs>
2: Like, I mean, at, at what like how you're saying? So like like again, the more I you think about it, at one yeah. point, do these deer are like?
0: Yeah, we have this place, and don't get me wrong, I I called deer in, and I there's probably guys listening right now, like, whoa I you know rattled, yeah, yeah, I know guys that killed 160 inch or tipping that damn Primos go can over. And killed 160 inch PA, it happens. You know what yeah. I mean. but I think the odds of it it's it, it's 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 a very low percentage. Um I'd rather use it when I feel that it could work, if that makes sense. Okay. You know, I just don't want to blind call. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm blind calling when it's like Hail Mary time and I'm like I'm out of it. <laughs> when I yeah. know yeah. you yeah. know, like when yeah. I know it's like yeah. it's my here's the last drive of the season, here we go. I'm this is all <laughs> I'm throwing out the whole playbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I like that, man. Well, all right. Well, before we get off, let's, t- let's hear one, one thing that a hunter should avoid this upcoming weeks.
0: Uh, don't get stuck in a rut. If that makes sense, <laughs> you know, yep. uh, don't, don't, uh, if you got that gut feeling, you're in the wrong place and move, you know, and then once you get into good stuff, stay in the good stuff, you know, yep. um, you can move too much in a rut and you can sit too long in a rut. You got to find that balance. Um, you know, that, you know. Hopefully, you got some maybe some trail cameras out there. You got some historical data you can play off to help with your confidence. Um, But uh, go with your gut. Um, That's a big thing. Go with your gut. If it's telling you to move, telling you to stay, listen to it this year. See what happens.
2: What's in that gallon uh, bag of food?
0: Oh, I mean we got I, I try to stay away from junk to be honest with you. Yep. I do I mean I'll do like a bagel, a whole wheat bagel with like, you know, maybe like a turkey or something on there, cheese uh for a sandwich. Um a lot of caffeine are shoved in there, different things like fiber energies and different powders. Um I will usually treat myself to um, you know, some type of little hostess cake occasionally in there. But uh, I try to keep, you know, it depends. Every year is a little different, but I try to maybe like some a little healthier type bars or something like that. Drink cheese, you know, different little odds and ends. I try to do stay away from the sugar because the end up there, middle of the day, you're taking a damn nap in the tree. <laughs> yep. it's got that sugar rush it was great for a half hour. You crash and then you got seven more hours in a tree. and That really sucks. <laughs> yep.
2: Yep. I like it. Demetri, what's in your, are you still, you know going in with just like an apple and then you gotta kill I something
0: die. dude uh, I would die there's there there is no way in hell <laughs> i'm going i die I, I' got i got like 24 ounce 2 24 ounce balls of like water or something i just take like a drink mix and i like so i got a sandwich and i got like breakfast and then you know i got little muffins or something whatever it is i, I man i have to freaking eat i die there's no way on how you can do that
1: yeah, I might have a cliff Bar too, and then bottle of water. That's about my. Uh, oh, no way, no now. way, man. No <laughs> way.
0: How do do it? Oh, I'd be a bitch. I'm, <laughs> man, I'd be a bitch.
1: <laughs> I always say you. You, you hunt you hunt better when you're hungry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's good stuff. Well, Ryan, man, I I appreciate you so much for taking the time to talk with us again this evening. And man, yeah. like I said to you at the beginning of the podcast, I. I I just enjoy listening to you, man, because I you uh, you ooze this stuff, and you know how much you love it, and it's just fun to, to do that. It's it's very relatable. So thank you for for taking the time, and you've been so successful during this time frame. So I wanted to get you on. So Ryan, I mean, if people are already not following you, where could they follow you and uh, and see what's going on?
0: Uh, you can follow me on Instagram Moose seventeen twenty. You can follow me there. Uh, you just see. i will try Pretty much during the hunt season here. I uh, try to keep a daily, you know, vlog on there. I'm going to try to do it every day. And then out of the season, pretty much every Saturday, I'm going to be out scouting and uh, just uh, kind of let everybody join along. And, uh, hey, thank, and thank you guys. I appreciate letting me come on here. It's always a good time talking to you guys.
2: Absolutely. And before we do get off, one last r- closing remark I will say. I know you're going to be self-filming this year. Don't let it. Don't let it get to you, man. Just, just. Yeah,
0: well, uh, yeah. I mean, I got a little bit of pressure on me this year. Uh, God's opened up some, some fanta- fantastic, doors for me. But I say I got some damn pressure on me, but yeah. at the end of the day, I want to get a good buck down. I'm hoping yep. to get on film. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes.
2: Yep. See how it goes. Well, everybody, thanks yeah. again for tuning in and thank you, Ryan. See you next week. Everybody antler up.